Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Scott Anderson from Warrior Academy Yoga, and I am here, as always, with my very good friend, Jeff Suskin. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good, and you are always here. I. What do you mean I am always here? Always here at Warrior Academy. I. God doesn't leave. I pretty much don't. I've slept on that couch, I think, more times than I've slept in uh, in my own bed, but... That's the nature of the beast, and you know what? Since we're talking about suffering today, that's just that's just my burden to bear, buddy. I'm willing to suffer to create uh, Denver's greatest yoga studio. There you go. It is a great studio. Well, you should see what's going on here right now. If, if our listening public, if all three of you could actually see this right now, it's we got two mixing well, stations, four computers. We have taken a significant We've step got, up in our technology. And so to that end, I actually uh, had to <laughs> – I had to tell you like forcefully to stop eating the peanut M&Ms because Dark all I could hear was the M&Ms. sound of you chewing. And by the way, uh, since we're talking about suffering, it is can I talk about what's pissing me off? Is that related? Yeah, not eating the chocolate. No, not, no. E- not that. It's just the fact that like I actually um, bought – M&M raspberry thinking that I was actually buying M&M dark chocolate mm. and I opened them up and I ate uh, raspberry M&Ms which are freaking disgusting and I'm I'm annoyed not so much that I bought them and ate them so much as I'm annoyed at the M&M Mars Corporation for the fact that they had the opportunity to create another flavor and they selected raspberry I thought you were going to tell me you ate X-Lax or something. That's not nearly as bad as I was expecting. No, it's horrible. I would have rather eaten X-Lax. Have you had a raspberry M&M? Have you ever eaten a bunch of X-Lax? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then that's going to lead us in quite nicely into uh, talking about suffering because suffering is something that you do almost as an occupation, Jeff. Like you, you spend a lot of time on your mat sort of getting beat up to, to hear you tell it. Why don't you why don't you correct me if that's if that's inaccurate? I think I well, I don't know if that's accurate. I think it's uh I mean if you train hard, then you're gonna suffer, right? Right. So I mean, actually coming here when I do any of your fairly what, what you'd consider simple poses, if I hold it long enough, I'm I suffer. Well, that's weird because you've been you just keep hounding me. Like, let's do another class, let's do another private. I kinda like the suffering. I know it's like transformative on some level. I'm not really sure. No, it's not transformative on some level. It's transformative on a lot of levels. I mean, suffering is actually uh, a good thing. I'm no, I'm with you. It's well, it's a necessary thing. You know? Necessary, yeah. I maybe good, maybe good is isn't the best choice of words, but necessary. Yeah, I'll buy that for sure. Well, I think you're kind of in like these happy places, and then all of a sudden the suffering comes along, sort of interrupts. The, the happiness. What causes what causes suffering? What causes suffering? Well, a number of things. I think there's different types of suffering, but I think it would probably be, in a word, I would say. See, our equipment is so good. I just picked up, up the sound of you burping. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would say that in a word, suffering is clinging. Yeah. You know, yeah, you just get stuck. I I, I think that uh, getting stuck is is probably a good place to start because uh, the Buddha referred to that as dukkha, 
Yeah. You know? And uh, Green Day referred to it as Dookie. So whether it's Duca or Dookie, it's the shit you get stuck in. And yeah. and getting stuck, uh, Duca literally means sort of a wheel that won't turn. Mm. Right? The, yeah. the, the feeling of being stuck. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's really got nothing to do necessarily with desire. And I think that a lot of people would sort of equate suffering with not having our desires fulfilled when actually it's sort of the craving, right? Craving and clinging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the desire has a lot to it. You know, that's an element to suffering. And I mean, the four noble truths definitely point towards all the, the sufferings kind of in and around, uh, you know, that clinging, it would seem like the idea, like all the ideas that surround suffering, the acceptance of suffering, finding a way out of suffering like those those are parts of the four noble truths right so and the way the way out of suffering is the eightfold path which is righteous living and and righteous speech and all those things it's a sort of uh to to summarize quickly it would be sort of uh an ethical code of conduct mm-hmm. yeah. right? so that that would maybe lead us into a, down another train of thought which is that a lot of times we're suffering because we're not living up to uh, our highest uh, potential. Yeah, I think, though, that they, you can even go to, like, the most basic things. Like, the second you think, thought is suffering, you know? They would even, and even, they'd even go back further and say, like, I was reading a quote today by Nietzsche, and it was just like, I mean, birth is suffering. And not, not for the mother, but for, like, the per you know, that's essentially like the being born is essentially like opening yourself up to suffering. Well, yeah, if you, and if you're going to talk suffering, why not whip out Nietzsche? Because the guy wasn't exactly a whole load of laughs, but <laughs> <laughs> he actually, you know, he, he was pretty awesome. He said, it's out of our greatest suffering that our greatness arises, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're on your mat, if you describe that, if you characterize that as suffering, I think stepping onto a yoga mat oftentimes is suffering. Mm-hmm. Then it's out of that suffering that our greatness begins to emerge. Yeah, I think I mean the suffering, the clinging is is really the clinging to this identity that we create for ourselves. You know, it's it's happened since we were we were born. From our parents, we got these ideas of morality. You know, how we should live, what's right and wrong, all that stuff, and we start developing this sense of self. I'll tell you what's wrong: mm-hmm. raspberry M and M's. I'm I can't fucking let that go. I'm annoyed by that. You're clinging. I'm clinging. I'm clinging to that. And so, and just to finish that story, like I had already opened them and eaten them, so I couldn't return them, you know? So I'm driving down the road. I'm like, you know, I'm now attached to actually eating some good M&Ms. So then I have to stop at Walmart and was probably grossly overcharged for a bag of uh, dark chocolate peanut M&Ms, which sort of helped clear the palate and it helped clear my 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 spirit and they're bringing me and then and then yeah and here you are just honking out on them like yeah they're good so um that's another way that i'm suffering because i've gone to a great uh ordeal trying to get some good m&ms to eat you're eating them all uh i guess i should probably just go on to mention that we we are actually recording this whole podcast during a bronco game me more suffering (laughs) <laughs> well, they're losing right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to turn it around. I give it up. Yeah. So back to the idea here of in terms of suffering, I think for me, you're asking what's the the suffering? And we said, well, it's clinging. 
And then I think, though, it's what we, what do you cling to? And I think in most places it's – or in most cases it's that that permanence of your identity, like this idea of, of who you are, that, that thought of I. You know, not just that thought of I, but all the things that make up your identity, that clinging to it, I think is where probably most of the suffering comes. Mm-hmm. You know, in Kabbalah, like – so and I have a teacher, uh, David Sanders, and he calls that like the masks that you wear, you know, and they're not all bad. It's like the, there's many masks of husband, father, the mask of a yoga instructor, of a yogi practitioner, um, the mask of I have long hair, short hair, blonde hair, the mask of all these different masks that we wear that create this sense of who we are. You know, right? So you've you've given me many examples of some some good ones, or or maybe not bad ones. But what's what's possibly you know a mask that we're trying we should try to? Well, abandon. I don't think it's necessarily that masks are bad. I, I mean, like the, it's just the fact of the matter is, like, I mean, my my mask is even my name. You know, Jeff Suskin. That that's my mask. I mean, anything. It's like everything that creates this sense of like I, this sense of you know, sort of self and all the rest of it. That that getting stuck on this idea of self, I think, is in large part where much of our suffering comes into. So it's So we get stuck on the eye and, and then it becomes an isolated thing. I mean if you look at ego in Latin, ego in Latin is simply means I. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like that's that place and that that ego I think is what sits in between, you know, your instincts, your basic instincts, and then like your morality. The things that like the the ideas that you have of like what's right and wrong and all the rest of it. And that's where like the ego kind of sits. It's sort of like the conduit, the bridge between the two. But this sense of I, I think, is where I don't want to say the trouble, but I, I, the suffering's in that place of like the permanence of I. Oh, I would I would totally agree. And, yeah. and, and from that place of I, by natural extension, uh, there is I see the world in this way. And mm-hmm. if that gets disturbed – well, then it's I, 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 just about everything, you know. And there was an interesting exercise. I, I, I. <laughs> is that is that what what Ozzy Osbourne was he, talking about? He was a deeply in, spiritual in man Blizzard back of Oz. in 1986. That was my first concert, by the way. No shit. First concert I ever went to. Ozzy no Osbourne. shit. Yeah. I, that was actually, I think, my second. I went and saw um, Kiss. That was my first concert, mm. and uh, I got tickets to Kiss Dynasty. And I took the hottest girl in, like, seventh grade, and then she just really wanted me for my ticket and then never talked to me after that. Mm. Mm, more suffering. <laughs> and, then, and then I went the, – my brother took me to see Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz, and that was my second concert. Oh, and my mind was – what was the album after Blizzard of Oz? Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, that one? It was maybe Diary of a Madman. Diary of a Madman. Or- that's what it was. And then he was getting, he was in all these legal problems. I think for like biting the head off of a dove, or something like that. That was like a, the big thing that was going on. And so I don't know. That how. was that was really an act of altruism because <laughs> that was a very sick dove, and he put it out of his suffering. I, I don't know how I convinced <laughs> my mom. I was in sixth grade. I don't know how I convinced my mom to let me go to the Ozzy Osbourne concert, especially with that in the you news. You probably didn't convince her. You probably lied to her and told no, her. No, you no, were no, going no, no, no. There was a convincing thing that went on. And then I went, and the next day she was like, well, so did he, like, bite the head off of a bird? <laughs> and then I was like, no. He, he hung a midget. He did. What? <laughs> he did. 
He did not. Not for real. What do you mean hung a midget? What do you literally like hung him upside down and like by the neck and and by the neck and like he lofted him up in the air and hung this midget. All right. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying that that was my first musical like big and it was around let's try to segue back it was about around the time that we were teenagers going to concerts like this that we started to develop an an ego identity and we started to become aware of what other people were thinking about us well then i was wearing my ozzy osbourne concert t-shirts and now i was like cool well not and then you were cool so you weren't cool before that well i was trying to improve my coolness i can't believe that that would be my (laughs) <laughs> that would be my logic to wear an Ozzy Osbourne T-shirt. <laughs> I could see Kiss or something is probably really cool. Ozzy Osbourne, I don't know where in my head that would have like I would have come up with that. This is cool. No, I think that that would have been pretty cool back then. Yeah, I don't know how it worked. I can't even remember how it really worked out for me. See, I don't. I don't even recall that I had any knowledge of Ozzy Osbourne prior to. Uh, Blizzard of Oz. Like, I, I had no awareness that he was a singer for, for Black Sabbath or, mm. or anything like that. It's just, you sort of, uh, do you have an older brother? No. No. Uh-huh. See, I had an older brother, and he was always sort of five years older than me, and he was sort of always informing me uh, through what he was listening to about what I should be listening to. So I was really influenced by him. Mm. But um, that's got fucking nothing to do with suffering, I'm pretty sure. But uh, it's, well, it sure saying, makes so for scenilating conversation say, between was, you and I, which is... This you is know. where I was developing, you know, that mask I put on, that that sort of um, – that identity that I was creating. And it was interesting because I was telling you about studying uh, Kabbalah with David. And one of the exercises he'll do is he'll be like, okay, well, who – You were co- you're studying Kabbalah after Ozzy Osbourne? Yes. Okay. Because of Ozzy Just, Osbourne, yes. I was like influenced <laughs> to actually pick up <laughs> a spiritual path. Yeah. His message was there for me. I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I, I. <laughs> so <laughs> David's practice, what he'll say is he'll, he'll ask you like straight up. He'll be like, so who, like, who are you? And then you'll go on, you know, on and on and just be like, oh, I'm, well, I'm Jeff Susskind. I'm the daughter. I'm sorry. I'm the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'm Scott Anderson yeah. and I have a daughter. There you go. So, yeah. And, and that makes me a father. And, and so, we're, we're all these roles. We're all these masks. Yeah. Yeah, and I went on and on. I thought I was really good. I was like the son of, of Leslie and Danny and the uncle of this and that, and I do this and I do that and da-da-da, all these things. And it went on, and I looked at him like pretty smug and self-assured, like I gave a really good definition of who Jeff Susskind was, you know? And then he's like, all right. And he's like, well, the idea here is imagine yourself now. You're on, I like that movie, Castaway, mm-hmm. you know? And he, he, the one with Tom Hanks, which, I mean, I, I watched it. It was okay. I liked it. What, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean it was okay? It was okay. It was that good. was a badass flick. Yeah, sure. Okay. No, so anyway. No. <laughs> you did not cry when Wilson floated away? <laughs> did you not? Was there not it, like a movies, wetness at the, at the lower – At your lower eyelids, there was nothing <laughs> – there was there wasn't even the feeling of hay fever in your eyes glassing over because <laughs> I was man I was crying okay I um, was suffering I was suffering for Tom Hanks who became attached to a volleyball but uh, 
anyway, I disrupted you again Sorry. because you keep fucking trying to make a good point, and I just keep screwing it up. But and and I love this point because you and I have had this conversation many times about sort of the castaway, like who am I? Yeah, Go and ahead. so I mean, he would just say, "So shed all the you're stuck. You're never getting off of that essentially that island." He goes, "But make it. It's more temperate. You know, you're never going to want for food. You're never going to want for uh, shelter, things like that. And there, it, it's a land of plenty, but." There is no chance of you ever getting off this island, and there's no chance that you will ever, ever lay eyes on another human being ever again. He's like, essentially, the I'll thought there is. I'll bet you then you'd make friends with a fucking volleyball. <laughs> that could happen. So then, if there's no one there, then who are you? Yeah, you're not even. You're not short or tall anymore. There's no distinction because I mean that human experience is 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 about really is about distinction. You know, good, bad, black, white. Short, tall, all those different things, and there is none of that anymore. You don't have – you're no longer some Distinction son. and relation because mm-hmm. you had said like I am uncle to this person. I am son to this person. Sure. So if, if uh, all of those people assume you're dead and you're never going to see them again, then there is no relationship there Yeah, anymore. you're none of those things anymore. And, sim- and that the, when you strip all that down to its most basic sense, I mean you, you come into this place of like, well, who am I? And that – sense of I or that sense of self is merely the awareness like I'm aware that I'm aware mm-hmm. you know and it's funny because I saw something that that like the Descartes would say like I think therefore I am and then I saw something another quote by someone else maybe Alan Watts or somebody I can't remember who it was and they said well actually in a be- better sense or it better stated would be I feel therefore I am mm-hmm. you know and so it's you still you're made up of those emotions and you're made up of that awareness and what i i think in terms of suffering like how you get out of that suffering oftentimes is is everything's always what about me what about me what about me and it's just like it gets you in this place of complete isolation and the people i see who are happiness who 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 are able to like the way that they insulate themselves against that sense of just me, me, me is it always turns into the you. They're the most compassionate, the most um, charitable, the most concerned people that, that I come in contact with. And it's, it's pretty amazing like that when you have a person who's like that, um, it's, I think that's like they're, they're just not suffering and you can sense that. But I, the, think, I think they are. Uh, Sorry. They're, they're able they're, to like they're, they're doing it to, to a much lesser focus. degree because when you think about some of the most uh, generous altruistic people that have ever walked the earth, let's just go Mother Teresa, Gandhi, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, Mother Teresa, she she had a lot of moments in which she felt uh, a real anger at at a lot mm. of the injustices yeah, of the world. So, and you take somebody like Gandhi, and Gandhi has also admitted to feeling, you know, this uh, really shameful. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This this excitement when he would when he was taking a train, and people knew he was on a train. He was going through towns so with like thousands mm. of people. And he admitted that, like, he found that very exciting that that so many people would come to try to be near him. Right. You know, so that's uh, a really even, good point. Actually, e- yeah. even the most you know um, evolved, enlightened beings on our planet not only have done things that probably they're they're could say that they were ashamed of, but they probably also suffered. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good actually a really good point. Um, 
and lot, a lot of the great, great teachers, you know, I'm the, even more contemporary, the more modern teachers, they get a lot of, I mean, you know about them. Mm-hmm. They write books. They're, you know, they, they put themselves on videos or on TV shows and they're, you know, they're, they're spreading the gospel of, of their, um, their philosophies and things like that. And the message is great, but I mean, it takes a certain degree, I guess, for no better word, of ego to like have that desire to push that philosophy forward, as opposed to being like an ascetic who just lives in a cave and and uh, you know has this contemplative existence or things like that, but just isn't out there in the world. Are you saying that's more noble or? or... No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm not saying it's noble or not. I'm just saying that they're not to to push hard into the public light would be, you know, one of those sort of modern day, um, sort of like that modern day toxicity, which would be of like fame and wealth and things like that, you know, but, and there, I mean, I don't think that Deepak Chopra is hurting for cash. He's probably not hurting for cash. No, no. (laughs) And he was probably not hurting for cash before him and Oprah hooked up and became the new powerhouse of, Mm spiritual personal improvement but um i'm sure even he has you know moments in in which he's suffering like i mean and not just sort of pre super famous and super uh prolific author deepak chopra but he's I'm got sure. a family and he's got children and he's got you know they they're like i'm sure He's not, you know, Wayne Dyer, he's gone through divorces and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that, like, the lesson, it doesn't have to get lost in us. I don't think anybody right. even, can escape and the... Yeah, even, like, Ram Das, you mm-hmm. know, who who uh, wrote Be Here Now, he's a, and has been a great uh, yogi and great inspiration to, to lots of people. When he was struggling with his health, you know, he even uh, admitted that, like, I all of the stuff that I talked about of sort of letting go, like I'm actually afraid to die, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think that underlying um, any personal development, there is something that is going to hit you. Well, and I mean, in the sufferings, no like where those are. lessons take place, I think it's, um, you know, someone was telling me the other day, like in like what the Hebrew is, like the literal Hebrew translation of prison, you know, and that has a lot to do essentially. It's like in that, in that the darkest place, the confinement is light. You know, so I think it's it's there's all sorts of stuff like there has to be the suffering like, you, you you know, if there's if everything has is like a yin and yang, it's like there's got to be to to the happiness, like to know that, that there has to be the suffering aspects. You know, I think the interesting thing, though, that I was thinking about on the way over here was when. So now, like, let's just say I like when I suffer now and there's like a lot of you know, I read a lot and watch a lot of stuff. And so there's, there's stuff that I've learned, you know, and I would say like you, you called it like, I'd say we're on that path of like seeking, you know, which is cool. But I was thinking now, like, so now when, when the suffering occurs, the cool thing with awareness is there, you, you find lessons, you find growth in the suffering. The interesting thing I was thinking about was I was thinking about like when I would, have big problem. Well, what to me was a big problem. Let's say like when I, the first time I got my heart broken, like long time ago, and I had no sense, like I had no, absolutely no sense of spirituality. You know what I mean? Like no sense of awareness. Like in many ways, I'm, I was just a young, you know, as a kid. Right. And then it's like, then 
you can't even figure out what the purpose of the suffering is. It's just like this – it's a very strange thing when you don't have, say, spirituality. I don't mean that in a religious sense. I mean that in in just like this awareness, you know, being very conscious about what's occurring in your life or how things are happening. And it's like it's hard for growth to take place when you're in this place of just like sheer pain with – it's like just continually banging your head against the wall because you have no clue. You have no tools. It's weird. You have no wisdom of experience yet. You have like this empty tool chest and these and these. And when you talk about the fact that uh, you and I and a lot of people uh, are seeking, and we come across great truths and great books, uh, great inspirational leaders, and and all that stuff, those two are tools, mm-hmm. right? And it's one thing when you go to the hardware store and you pick up a hammer. It's like, okay, I know what this is and I know what to use it for. Now, a tool can be a, uh, something like a hammer. You can use it for its purpose, which is to, to pound a nail. Mm-hmm. And you can also use a tool improperly. You could use a hammer to smash a, to smash a window, right? Mm-hmm. So those are tools that we know what they do. But there's also tools in which uh, you, like, like think about software for your computer, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, let's say, uh, you, you've come to me a few times and said, hey, can you help me with some design work, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm okay with Photoshop, right? So that's a tool that I know how to use. Now, if you were to go and buy uh, Photoshop, and then, then you still have to learn how to use it, mm. you know? And that's what I think a lot of uh, great uh, wisdom and great, truths are is they're tools that we still even though we got them like i have i'm about uh, i'm almost done with uh two books um the untethered soul mm-hmm. which great book. I like is a great one. book and i'm also reading uh rick hansen's latest book um about happiness mm-hmm. and even though i have those books i'm still trying to apply them you yeah. know i have those tools Right. Mm -hmm. There's great knowledge. There's great information in there about how to move forward in life, how to not be so stuck in the dukkha and how to uh, be generally a happier human being. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's the tool. I've got the book. I have the knowledge. And yet I still have to figure out how to use it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what um, I, I think maybe is probably the biggest problem with a lot of people uh, when they talk about like their, their spiritual practice, their growth, their personal path, their Mm -hmm. self-improvement is that they are, uh, they're aware of suffering and yet they even go out and they seek answers to their suffering. And yet for some reason, shit, we're still suffering, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that like I'm I'm reading a lot of good stuff. I do yoga, I meditate, do breath work. Like I'm still suffering. What the hell? Mm-hmm. You know? Um I'm heartbroken. I I have challenges. I have things that I've I've dealt with in, in my life and and granted those tools even though I don't know how to use them all, like mm-hmm. I'm starting to figure it out and that's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Lifelong process. And um I I guess this is my long-winded way of saying that, like, there's just no quick fix. There's no one fucking book you can pull off of the self-improvement shelf and read it and go, boom, done. Thank God. Thank God I don't have to suffer anymore. 
mm-hmm. you know? So, it, you know, it maybe that is, uh, uh, I hope that didn't blow the wind out of your sails because we wanted to do a podcast about suffering and try to offer something. And yet, what the hell is this? No, well, I, I don't think it's about the end of suffering because I don't know. I I don't have an answer for that one. I think that there's ways to, I don't want to say alleviate suffering, but I think it's just like to just be with the suffering. Like it's, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. I'm sorry. You're going to have, you know, the loss of parents, loss of pets, the loss of friends, the loss of all sorts of things that we cling to. I mean, it's just inevitable. Mm -hmm. And so we're just, I think it's all about the preparation for the suffering. You know what I mean? So like not only just Ooh, that's good. but I yeah. think it's like – and so then there you have tools to like deal with. It's like it's every year the, the hurricane season hits Miami, you know, and it's like it's coming. There's nothing that you can do about that. The tempest is going to hit and it's – but the preparation's there and right. not just the preparation but then, you know, it, being able to to kind of recover from it in a quick fashion like everything's – everything's in order to be able to do that. I I've referred to yoga many times mm-hmm. that in that way, that it's, Meditation, it's, it's yoga. And yeah. Just it's the stuff all built. They're all fingers at the same hand and it's all good preparation. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and there might be somebody out there listening to this that does none of those things. Yeah. And those aren't the only things, mm-hmm. you know, I think that they're one of the great conceits about yoga is that like, Oh, yoga's the answer. And sort of the people that do it sort of um, develop a stretchier than now philosophy, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, I do yoga. You should do yoga. Yoga will solve all your problems. It'll make you healthier if you do yoga, if you become a vegetarian, if you do this, if you do that, you know. And then again, we're getting back to the the eye of it, mm-hmm. you know, which is I do this. Yeah. And so I have the perspective to know that um, – well, you have that adrenalized response, and I think like yoga, just like any exercise, really is very good to to use up the sort of like those adrenaline stores, just like getting down and doing a bunch of push-ups or going and sprinting, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, yes, yoga absolutely works, but it, it's not it's, – it's like an Advil, you know what I mean? It's very good at alleviating symptoms but not root causes, and – you know, but I think the preparation is what's deeper than just the, you know, the movement or the physical aspects of it. The yoga part that you're developing, if you have a really good teacher, I think, is the idea. I'm trying to grasp the correlation between um, between push-ups and end of suffering because push-up is the ultimate suffering pretty much, isn't it? I think, though, the idea there is just like when you get adrenalized, you get emotional, like the burnt, like just the same way. And exercise is a really good stress reliever. And yoga, even though there's a lot of lofty things that are put on yoga, it's like, you know, what's what what's it called? Like, um, vinyasa is just like it's breath and movement, right? That's mm-hmm. the definition of it. But I mean, anything, basketball can be like the flow of that same movement with breath or weightlifting or whatever it is that that you do that's like physical in nature exercise you know swinging a sledgehammer with breath and movement you know so i although i haven't heard many people are you are you do you what's your level of yeah what's your level of suffering right now in terms of just in general i'm just throwing it right out there at you what's your level of suffering right now right now on a scale of one to 100 you are suffering i feel good it's sunday i feel nice today you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, does if it, I feel in control of, I feel pretty in control of my emotions and things like that today. 
Does that mean I can't get knocked off? Get totally thrown tomorrow, right? See, totally thrown in an hour. It I'm happens. glad. Yeah, it, it could happen. It could totally. And happen I gotta in enjoy it now because I know. But I just know. I mean, it's gonna happen. It's not like, well, I'm a very happy person. But like at the moment, right? I, I feel like I, I feel, uh, you know, like I have a rest response going on right now, as opposed to that stress response. Yes. You know, and that yeah. feels like good to me. I had a really, just a really nice day. So that's that's cool. But you know. Monday's around the corner. Monday, there it is. You know, and the cool thing I was looking at is like the symbol of ego in in India is the coconut. You know, and I guess one of the things that happens is like when the student comes to the guru, they he offers the coconut. The coconut's also one of the hardest nuts to crack. You know, and that it's makes also sense. this idea like of this offering of like I it's it's telling the guru that, you know, I know that this is like representative of my ego and I'm ready to like move past that and I'm open to like these new ideas. It's like very symbolic of, of, of understanding how detrimental the ego is and how it caused that suffering, how that openness to, you know, essentially it's like handing the symbolic ego off to the, to the teacher, you know? So but that was kind of neat. But maybe you should make all your students bring you a coconut. Um, I, yeah, but see, I just don't really like, coconut like i'm raw, doused like, in coconut oil right now i know the that smell. was it's the when when <laughs> i gotta tell the the five people listening when you came in you were you were just covered in coconut oil and what is this your beauty secret is this is. do you want to share some beauty secrets I, i'm a big fan of coconut oil and then you were so covered in coconut oil you immediately grabbed the paper towels and started just like trying well, to I, get the I excess didn't off realize of you. I was going out what, in the public at the moment, and then I ran. What do you out mean you didn't know you were going well, out in public? I, I you did. I doused it on, you, and then I was like rushing out the door, and then I so threw you're, my clothes. You're getting and, in your car on a, a a freezing day, by the way. Yeah. So and coconut oil tends to like you know form like a solid. Yeah, it's not <laughs> solid on my skin. I've absorbed. So you go out into the freezing it. cold. <laughs> with Did my your face freeze? Oil. No, it was it was coconut oil cracking off your people skin. And like shipwrecks who pour the motor oil all over themselves. Uh huh. This is like my my. And so and so, the, so uh, Sus walks into the to the studio and he's like, "I need something to wipe my face off," and you just look like <laughs> I don't even know what. Look like you just went through a car wash and did the uh, I get like these huge the, the wax of coconut oil, and I like I don't know. I'm into it. I do. Well, not that. No, no, you started it. You're going to have to go there you now. That? You what do, do weird do you stuff that with oil coconut pulling? oil? Yeah, I squish it in my mouth in the morning before I brush my teeth. I'm not sure I buy into that. I don't know either, but I like it. It feels really clean afterwards. Uh-huh. You know, but. Yeah, so does so does Listerine cinnamon, you know? I, I just love coconut oil that much. It's pretty gross actually doing it. I can't say that my girlfriend like she's like what I hate that sound and what are you doing I'm like come on do it with me Squeeze did she do it no well yeah uh-uh. there you go so I just I'm like make these very weird do you sounds, ever recycle it the coconut oil yeah what to then use on my skin yeah no no it's toxic at that point do you now ever use it for with... cooking which is oh, yeah. what I understand it's actual yeah. value. <laughs> <laughs> to cook with, I, or do you just put it on your body and, I, and I, swish I, it around, shove I it up your nose? Lots of coconut oil. 
this i'm this is bizarre like i'm it's, i i'm so, got their thing I, let's I'm talk sure about my level thing. of suffering sort of listening to like my weird feelings about how how much you love coconut oil is kind of just sort of weirding me out just a little bit mm. well in a good sense you see by focusing on me you're not focusing on yourself and that probably makes you feel better too it no you're absolutely right and uh you're i was you, reading a funny you, quote about you, that the other day like where they say wouldn't it be great if we because like if you tell me your problem i got plenty of answers for you about how to solve your problem you know so it'd be the quote was kind of having to do with it'd be really cool if we could exchange problems because i seem to have all the answers to whatever it is that's ailing you Kind of like throw mama from the train. Like you, you exchange sort of. What? What? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. So, well, throw mama from the train, I think, is a remake of a Hitchcock movie, Strangers on a Train or something, in which these two guys, they meet on a train. They both have somebody that they want to kill. Uh-huh. And yet, if they switch people that they want to kill, then the, that person doesn't have an out or a, a, mo- a motive, right? So the idea is to get away with with murder mm-hmm. again the, i went for a metaphor which has draws no fucking correlation yeah. whatsoever to what we're talking about but the idea of you switching uh problems that's mm-hmm. fun that's fun so um <laughs> i'm trying to think what is your problem right now my problem right yeah now? at this very moment well no i know you're having a great day sus i mean just in general like i, I mean i go like have the same thing with everybody it's like the the fear of of god is it's fear would probably you know it's like the if i was going to say in a in a word on like what would hassle me on a given day it would be like fearful that i won't be able to make a living fearful that my health would go fearful that my relationship would fall apart fearful the things that i cling to the fear factor is having something to lose right you know and that's like that's kind of what happens you know is like if you have possession you're scared of losing your possession if you have a relationship you're scared of losing your relationship not that a relationship's a possession see i went to a different realm there but yeah, saying, we're, like, we're just going to skip just, right over that. You know, if you have, like, money, you're scared of losing your money. There, there's all sorts of stuff. It's always fear that's at the root, I think, that's suffering. And then the fear ultimately is, I guess, of annihilation, you know? Right. It's, so, the, it's the craving. It's the attachment. It's the, the I want this thing and I can't have it or I have this thing and I'm afraid of losing it. Absolutely, you know? And so, I mean – That's suffering no in a nutshell. It. Yeah, there's like – there's – and it's interesting because – you know, I was looking up definitions for suffering, and it, it's the, the opposite of it is is just is apathy, and I didn't really un- ever think about that. And so, apathy is when is is a lack of suffering. And apathy, the way that you and I know it, is like when you really just don't care about things. You know, mm-hmm. but if you care about things, then then you're, you know, the default setting for care is going to be like. Fear and there's going to be and you know all the things that go around the potential for, you know, craving it and the fear of losing it. So that's, you know, that 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 affects me just like anybody. I got I have like, you know, a girl that I love. I have a a dog that I love. There's all sorts of stuff, family that I love, and it's like the idea of of loss is definitely, you know, and then of ultimately loss of life. As as we get older, there's a, a serious amount of suffering that goes on with with the loss of of time mm-hmm. not only the loss of time but but essentially the loss of your life the physical body loss you know i don't know all the things that has to do with i mean fear of the unknown fear of 
of like what's next you're you know we crave to you know cling to the life that we have too so so if fear and suffering are sort of givens in our life then we've got to in these last five minutes start to offer somebody something Mm -hmm. so you know it it's i i hate to um go to the obvious place but i feel like it, it always begins with awareness and as I mentioned before, I don't think it's any uh, accidents that the word war is in awareness because it is a battle. Mm. It is a daily battle. It is a minute-by-minute minute battle to try to be aware of what is real mm-hmm. and um, to try to dismiss the unreal. I agreed. I mean, I think the dilemma that we have is is the suffering comes from, I mean, thought. So if you can like just get out of your thoughts for a minute, the thoughts of I, the thoughts of the problems, a lot of times it's like, well, you know, I, I, I've got this problem and that problem. And it's like essentially I think we all know that if you got a problem and it's serious and you're going to do something about it. And if you can't do anything about it, then essentially you're dealing – that's aggravation. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like how do you get rid of like most of our suffering happens around like that, that constant uh, hum – I wouldn't even call it a hum, that constant like cacophony of, of negative thoughts that just keep on occurring. And it's like resentments and everything. It's not enough and comparison and all those things that cause us, especially in Western culture, cause us a great deal of suffering. And so, you know, the way of the spiritual warrior, I would say, is we've talked about that. Your tools are going to be, as always, they're going to be gratitude and appreciation. And then like you have like that, the blaster in the background is forgiveness, mm-hmm. you know, but then the biggest thing is if thought is really the thing that, that leads to suffering always, it's going to be, how do I get the suffering away? And that would come through breath work and meditation. It's, it's constantly pushed on us. I mean, there's too many articles to ignore it. Absolutely. And I think that you had mentioned the other day that one of the, you had a mentor or a friend or someone who sort of was challenging you to read certain books mm. And one of them was uh, uh, the Peaceful Warrior, mm. Dan Millman, you know. And he said that suffering is our psychological resistant to what is happening, mm. you know. And that is probably the best definition that I have for suffering. It's resistance to what is happening. And um, it's, it, it doesn't make any, it any easier knowing that, you know. Like if you're heartbroken, if you've lost somebody, like – if I sit there and think to myself, well, I'm resisting the fact that this is happening, mm-hmm. it didn't help me much. Right. You know? Yeah. It didn't help me much. So I, what I have to have, uh, even though I understand that on an intellectual level, on an intellectual level, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it takes something more for my heart and it takes the tools, you know? And the yeah. tools sometimes, like I said, are the hammer. You know how to use it. Sometimes it's the software. You got to figure out how to use it, mm-hmm. you know? But um, the suffering, I think, is though is an important part of that growth. It's just a matter of is without that suffering, you would just be sort of arrogant, you know. And then when you gain the suffering, you know, the knowledge that comes from the suffering leads towards compassion, you know. And like you, you can actually like relate to somebody's suffering. Do you have like compassion as like that shared suffering mm-hmm. and empathy? Those go well, up really what I what you... what I appreciate the most about what you had uh, to to say today was just the idea that uh, of sort of getting out of the I and mm. and getting into the you, 
yeah. and sort of looking at, well, what is the state of the world and what is the state of, you know, these people and where can I lend some assistance? And um, that's something that I think is always sort of a, um, a goal and, and part of the ethos of War Academy Yoga is to try to just, you know, participate somewhere. Mm-hmm. somewhere you know if it, you don't have to save the worlds you, you don't have to save the world if you if you're trying to save the ocean if you're trying to save the dolphins if you're trying to save uh, women from being battered if you're trying to save someone from something and you can get behind the idea of, of participating and trying to ease suffering somewhere else i think easing some um that's where i'm gonna end today is that i think that if you try to ease suffering somewhere else it's going to help ease some of your own because there's less of the I and there's more of the we and the you. Well, Deepak Chopra, they asked him like what the meaning of life was. And he, and he just kind of matter of factly looked at the interviewer and said like in a sentence and he just very (laughs) point blank said, it's the expansion of happiness. Right. And I mean, so the expansion of happiness takes a feeling of community, takes a feeling of connectivity. It's like the other way, if you're only focused on your own happiness, it's going to be, you're just going to increase the sense of isolation. Right. Or, and I just think that, so the, the tools out from it are that appreciation, gratitude, that compassion, um, you know, being able to recalibrate. And then finally, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, like really taking care of feeling connection. Right. You know, so. And working on changing yourself. The suffering is transformative. I mean, that, that if you, you go through the suffering with, with awareness, like you're, not, you're never quite the same on the other side of it. Even after a yoga class, a lot of times it's like each well, one's a Well, sure, but su- suffering is transformative. But it, I think that one of the, the keys that you, you offered today was sort of the, the preemptive strike. I know suffering's coming, mm. you know, so I'm going to develop some better tools in order to manage it. And I don't you know? say that so that you should live but a guarded life. I don't say it. In absolutely. Capacity, absolutely know? not. But when, when I'm talking about sort of changing, you, it's um, I guess maybe I'm going to have to be cheesy and go uh, Michael Jackson on you. You know, uh, this, the change starts Are with me. Are you about me. to do man in the mirror? I'm about oh to do God. man in the mirror. I, yeah, man. Uh, who could, uh, again, you know, I get a little teary eyed. Why know? don't you just go R. Kelly? R. Kelly. <laughs> no, but like in my head, there's this sort of montage right now of mm-hmm. Michael Jackson and the um, the volleyball from Castaway floating away mm-hmm. and um, M and M's. So there's a there's a very weird montage going on in my head. And it, if we're really going to go for full circle, I have to go back to the the M M&M and M thing for a second. But fucking raspberry man. Like, if you have the opportunity to make new M&M's, if you've put in peanuts M&M's, if you've put uh, mint in M&M's, if you put pretzel in m and i I'm going to throw this question at you right now. What, if, if you had the opportunity to go back to M&M Mars and say, no, don't do raspberry, do this, what would it be? I'm not a huge fan of peanuts. Like, maybe almonds or something? Do they do that? They I think they have it. almonds. So maybe, like, some, maybe some different... Nuts, no, like maybe like uh, how many? How many nuts do you need? There's some good ones. What's the one that starts with an M? Well, they're really good. I love those macadamia nuts. Macadamia nuts. nuts. A macadamia nut M M&M. and M. Yeah, it'd be great. 
No, that would be awful, horrible. No, I've the had correct chocolate covered macadamia. Nuts no, the correct answer is bacon. That, that's a bad topic with me. <laughs> I know because you're a vegetarian, but like, you know, bacon get ch- covered in chocolate. That's some people's. Wow. That's that's see that would maybe if you ate that that would cause some suffering. Mm. That just made the book. Okay, sorry, but anyway, um, you know, l- let me just end with this thought. Anthony DeMello was r- when he once wrote about suffering and and talked about how if you go to a doctor and say like I'm suffering, I have this this problem, and then the doctor sort of assesses you and says, yes, you have this problem. Here's the medicine, but you don't take it yourself. You give it to other people. You give it to your wife. You give it to your boss. You give it to your coworker. Mm. Right. That's how we think about um, how we're going to get out of suffering is getting other people to change. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah, I. That's why. That's I. I don't think I have to defend myself any more than that, Jeff, with man in the mirror, because you got to look in the mirror, buddy. It begins with you. Wait, wait. So is he saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? No, he's saying that's what we do. Gotcha. Like we we think that the way out of suffering, the way out of our problems is when other people change, I'll be fucking happy. And the truth is, is that mm. you that is only going to lead to more and more suffering if you think you're ever going to get someone to change to suit you. Right. You've got to change. Well, the accountability issue comes into place. You any suffering that you feel you are one hundred percent responsible for. You take that line backwards from this point of suffering and it is going to point to a series of decisions that you made period. Absolutely. So, it's all, it's all on you, buddy. It's man in the me. mirror. That's where we're in today. I can stop forest fires. Yes. And now that we're about to, my suffering, I think, uh, is about to end. And so are the, the five people that are listening to our podcast because we're, we're rounding out our uh, 45 minutes again. Well, again, we ran over. But we've been looking at this bag of uh, dark chocolate peanut M&Ms. What do you think? You want to kill this now? Yeah, I kind of want to get a Blanco too. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> this has been Scott Anderson from Warrior Academy Yoga. Oh, this and Jeff Suskin. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Have a great week.